thanks for joining our second podcast of Discussing Society. A huge thank you if you listen to our first podcast on inflammatory bowel disease. This podcast today is all about the taboo topic of mental health, and particularly the stigma of mental health um, within the BAME community. So once again, I am here with the lovely Ria. Say hi. Hello. And we have a special guest joining us. Uh, we've got Hema Patel, and she's actually my cousin. So say hi, Hema. Hello. Hello, Selena. <laughs> Hello, Ria. Thanks for joining us. Um, do you want to tell us, you know, a bit about yourself or something, a uh, fun, interesting fact about yourself? Oh, I mean, there's, there's so much to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fun fact, but an interesting fact, um, something that I'm going to be doing in October and the chances of getting into this are extremely slim. So I'm super stoked that I actually got in is that I'm, I'll be running the London Marathon in October. Um, oh, wow. Having never run before, um, five years ago I started running and I'm, I'm building myself up. I've never done a marathon before and I'll be running for suicide prevention charities. So hopefully we'll raise a ton of money um you know it's a cause that's also close to my heart so oh, amazing oh we love it love to hear it yeah. um yeah wish you all the best I'll be there to support you don't worry <laughs> I'll, I'll need all the support I can get <laughs> okay so in this podcast we're going to talk to you about the difference between poor mental health and mental illness slash conditions because um, there is a difference and I feel like a lot of people need to distinguish between this. Um, we're going to talk about the different types of stigma there are regarding mental health and why this stigma is exacerbated particularly within um, BAME communities and in our South Asian community in comparison to the general population. Emma and we are going to talk about their personal experience with poor mental health and we're going to talk about you know what you can be doing to maybe improve your mental health and how we can try and reduce the stigma. So moving on Ria tell us about the difference between mental health and mental illness. So your mental health is a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. So in everyday life, we all get stressed, right? We all go through relationship problems, difficult work situations, family issues, and we all have a threshold for stress. Um, when that, um, when we exceed that threshold, that's when it becomes um, considered a mental health condition or a mental illness. So that's just any kind of condition that involves your emotional state, um, the way you think. So um, I'm sure everyone's heard a lot of these conditions before, but I'll just go through a few of them. So we've got um, general anxiety disorder, OCD, uh, panic disorder, PTSD, depression, bipolar, personality disorder, anorexia, bulimia, um, just to name a few. Um, I also think another important thing to uh, mention here is that you can have someone who suffers a mental illness but has great or good mental health if they're being treated successfully. And on the flip side, you can have someone who does not suffer from a mental uh, illness but they can experience really poor mental health. So I think the keynote to take from here is that, you know, we all have days where we feel down, stressed, overwhelmed. That's absolutely normal. And a good part of having good mental health is the ability to look at your problems and concerns 
realistically and be able to process them and go through them. Um, So good mental health isn't about feeling happy and confident all of the time. It's about living and coping well despite your potential problems. I just wanted to say something in terms of mental health is that everybody suffers from mental health and everyone has positive to negative mental health. It's all on a spectrum. So it's how we it's how we kind of manage our, our everyday and it's just like cutting the grass you know you need to keep it maintain it and you know nurture it it's, yeah. it's something that we kind of actively need to do it's the same um, with your physical some... health like you know if you cut yourself exactly. you can go to a doctor or put a plaster it's totally. the same with your mind you've got to nurture it heal it allow it to yeah. heal kind of thing yeah so true Okay, so I want to talk a bit about stigma. And there are two types of stigma regarding mental health. Social stigma, which refers to the prejudiced attitudes people have towards mental health, which um, is pretty negative based on misconceptions, misrepresentations, lack of education, understanding. Um, People suffering from mental illnesses are sometimes defined by a disorder. And as a result, people may treat them differently. But this is so damaging to a person's self-stigma, which is when people internalise the social stigma. They start to believe these negative stereotypes. For example, one of the most damaging misconceptions is that people with schizophrenia are violent or dangerous towards others. And if you're suffering from schizophrenia, you're going to start to internalise that negative stereotype. And imagine how damaging that's going to be, you know, you're already suffering or having to cope with the symptoms of the condition and you start to believe these stigmas, you start to believe that you're violent towards others. It it may be the thing that, you know, causes someone to self-harm or even commit suicide. So it's really important to stop talking about mental illness in such a negative yeah, so way. Yes, we want to like end the cycle, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and there are loads of common stigmas that you know, are associated with mental health. Um, for example, you know, people mistakenly say, ah, oh, if you suffer from mental health, you are dangerous or um, you, something like if someone suffers from depression, ah, oh, you know, you can snap out of depression, something like that. Or like even things that like therapy is a waste of time, like it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, like mental health problems don't affect children or teenagers. I mean, I work in a school and I can tell you mental health affects children a lot more than we think it does. Even I work with like five-year-olds, so, and you can definitely tell those who are like suffering and need some sort of input and it's just kind of brushed over because it's like you're five, you don't have any problems, but they do because they don't know how to understand their problems. So it comes out as anger or other behavioral issues and they're labeled as that naughty child when in fact they're suffering from poor mental health. So Mm -hmm. it's usually masking something, something else, something that's a lot deeper. Yeah, completely agree. To go back to your point, Selena, about misconceptions, one major misconception that we have is on addiction. I think what we do is we generalise addictions and we see addictions as negative behaviour when what we really need to do is actually see that person, that individual, and to see what their needs really are. Mm. Addictions usually stem from trauma or something that has happened yeah um, something that may be lacking 
um, in terms of their, their emotional needs. Um, but what, I think what we need to do though is, is not par them with a horrible brush of like, oh, you've got an addiction and there's no way out, is, is to have a little bit more empathy and a bit more compassion towards that person. And to, yeah. You know, and that they, they do need help. Exactly. Um, and I think, I think from outsiders, you know, a common misconception is that someone who suffers from addiction, you know, they, they have a lack of willpower or it's a choice, they can change it. But the reality of it is that, no, it is, it is to do with like, the mental state of someone. And, you know, they may need therapy to overcome it. It's not just something they can, they can snap out of. So that's, that's a really um, important point. Yeah, some really, really good points. So, Selena, why don't you um, tell us a bit why you think there is such a stigma attached to uh, mental health? So the negative stigma associated with poor mental health and mental illness is pretty universal. But what some of you might not know is that there are cultural differences here. And a lot of research has shown that in Eastern cultures, the stigma associated with mental health is a lot higher in comparison to Western cultures. But also mental health and mental illnesses in general, the prevalence is a lot higher in people of ethnic backgrounds in comparison to white British backgrounds. And I think the main reason is due to the difference in culture. So in South Asian cultures, you know, it's very collectivist. There's a lot of emphasis on the community and family values. Uh, everyone's, you know, up in everyone's business, everyone talks in comparison to Western cultures where it's, you know, it's more focused on the individual and in individual's goals. So when it comes to mental health, you know, people are kind of hush-hush about it in the community because there's, there's almost this kind of reputation that every family wants to uphold. And if someone is suffering from mental health, this is something that can be seen as damaging to um, a reputation, which is why I think it's not really openly discussed. But with regards to why there is higher prevalence rates of mental health in, in these kind of cultures, that, you know, there are a lot of reasons for this. One of them, of course, being racism. Um, someone that's suffering a lot of racial abuse is, of course, going to suffer the negative effects of this mentally. Um, language barrier is huge, uh, especially with the older generation. People may not know how to talk about, you know, the negative symptoms they're experiencing. And they might focus more on the physical symptoms. And this is going to lead to a misdiagnosis when it comes to um, getting diagnosed for a specific disorder. The stigma, like I said before, because the stigma is higher in these kind of cultures, people are, are not going to go and see, seek help. So, of course, it, the mental health is going to deteriorate. But um, lack of education is a huge one. And like I said before, particularly in the older generation. So I know my parents have said that they weren't really educated when it came to mental health when they were younger. And this might be the case for the older generation in general, but with regards to kind of South Asian communities, because a lot of our grandparents and parents kind of came from, from other countries, you know, um, where, where mental health wasn't talked about because it's, it's a pretty Western concept. Um, they weren't educated on it when they were younger. And because of this, you know, they, they didn't talk about it. And that's what's led to it become a stigmatised topic. Yeah, Complete, completely agree. Um... So another reason why it's stigmatized more in Asian communities is the construct of family. In westernized families, you, you see nuclear families, you know, mum, dad, and 2.4 children, which is, you know, the general norm. 
and in extended families you see you know mom dad uncles aunts <laughs> and and everyone else um you know we're second generation immigrants and there is a thing called generational trauma where trauma that's been experienced in one generation can actually affect the health and well-being of subsequent generations oh, and okay. you know you even you know from my own personal experience you know my mom um, was born in Kenya my my dad was born in India and they came over you know to the Midlands as immigrants you know they they had their trials and tribulations of why they left one country to come here and there's a lot of trauma that is held within that mm-hmm. and you know, they also, and that also kind of knocks on mental health with how they are because they they were also going through so much when we were little. You know, it. My mum had me when she was about twenty. I mean, that's you know, close yeah. to your age. You know, can you imagine having you know children or a family at that age, and you know, also being an immigrant and learning to survive in another country. It's quite, it's quite a lot. That's quite a lot for someone to deal with. I definitely see that as being quite a big contributor to um, the mental health of people of colour. So, Hema, tell us a bit about, you know, your your experience with mental health or mental illness. Have you, is there any particular times in your life where you feel like you've suffered a lot and how have you dealt, dealt with these during these hard times? Oh, wow. Well... Looking back at my life, I think I've always struggled with mental health. I think sometimes more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only been in the last, you know, um, last two to five years, really, and especially more since since COVID happened, that we're starting to talk more about mental health and, and the impact that it's had on us and how, how I am today as an individual. One of the first times I um, encountered mental health was when I was quite young. And I think my, my parents were, were going through a phase where, you know, there, were, there was a lot of arguing in the house mm-hmm. and there was a lot of tension around in the house. And for me, that manifested as anxiety and anxiety with tummy um, troubles. Oh. Um, I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was quite young and um, you know touch wood everything's sorted sorted with that and I've I found a way to kind of manage it mm-hmm. um, but that was when I was really young and I'm obviously then I didn't know what mental health was you know this is just me looking back at my life I think um, other instances has been definitely at work mm-hmm. there's been times where you know I've been overworked, you know, working 15 hour days at one point constantly where I'd just been at a point of, you know, burnout and breakdown really where work was the only thing and the rest of my life had literally come to a halt. You could say that I was addicted to work at some point, you know, that was constantly, you know, going in, going in on weekends, catching up with myself and, and for me, that was, you know, a fear of not being behind and a fear of not, sorry, a fear of not falling behind. 
Um, but it wasn't doing anything positive to my health. You know, I was not having great relationships with friends because I was missing out on, you know, meeting up for coffees and my social life was kind of declining. And the balance was just all off. You know, I just see it as there's only so much that a person can take. And, you know, it's like being inside a pressure cooker you have to kind of let the steam out sometimes mm-hmm. uh, I really found you know um I think that was my kind of mid to late mid 20s to late 30s that I found this where I just had the drive to just wanted to prove myself and I really really fought hard for that but then by doing that I compromised on my mental health which mm-hmm. then manifested into illness as it usually does you know so you know learning from that I think it's just a big balancing act Mm -hmm. and there's there's an old CEO of Coca-Cola and someone told me this quote he basically said imagine life as a game in which you were juggling some five balls in the air so you name them like work health friends family and spirit and you you're keeping up all of these balls in the air and you soon understand that work is a rubber ball if you drop it it will bounce back Mm -hmm. but the other four balls family health friends and spirit are made of glass and if you drop one of these you know they will become damaged marked cracked or even shatter and they will never be the same again. So I, I really needed to understand that at that point. And it's, again, it's only when you come out of these situations that you understand them. When you're really in it, you don't understand the value that work has. And that I shouldn't put all my eggs into one basket, really. And I need to kind of spread, spread everything out. Um, so that was a really important lesson that I had. Um, where I needed to focus on my mental health. And I think, you know, when I'm working again um, after that time, I've really made a conscious effort to, to do that, to kind of place importance on work, but also manage it within the, the bigger picture, you know, with the bigger picture being friends and family and, and spirit, which is huge. So is mental health something that you, that you openly discuss with your friends and family? And yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, Stelly, you know this because of our own um, family experience. Um, we lost, we sadly lost a cousin to suicide five years ago. Mm-hmm. And then the emphasis in our family has always been to, to talk, to talk more, to be more open about your feelings. And this has really been a learning experience for us um, to be more open, to be more vocal, to really talk about your feelings. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, Sally, but, you know, my parents have been totally, you know, checking in on, on us, really, and, and asking how we are. Yes, no, I got exactly the same. I think as, as, as sad as it was, it shouldn't have to have got to that point that we lost someone so close to us for us to be able to talk about it. But I think 
now because you've had that experience you know our parents are so much more willing to talk about it because they don't want to have to go through something like that again yeah it's um it's it's a shame like you said it's a shame that it had that had to to make us talk but it's it's a positive sign that that they are willing to talk to us and you know they they do want to talk to us and you know we kind of give parents a bad rap really Mm -hmm. to say that they don't understand but you know they they do want to they do try to and I think that's you know that's it's we've come a long way in the past 20 years I think anyway yes definitely so looking back on you know your whole life if you could give some advice to yourself, how, what would you say to, you know, the past Hema on how you could better cope with your mental health? Number one is always to talk about it. Keeping anything inside you is only going to kind of explode inside your mind. And, you know, as they say, a problem shared is a problem halved. So talking is is number one. It's up there, right on top of you know top of anything. Mm-hmm. I think um, keeping yourself um, busy in terms of your movement in your body is also really good. Whatever that movement can, constitutes to, it can be like I said, a brisk walk, slow yoga practice, or you know you could go intense with a hip move, hip workout. You know that there, there's a research that shows that the mind and body connection is super strong so the healthier your body is is usually going to be a sign to say that your your mind is pretty healthy too mm-hmm. well thank you Hema, for sharing your experience with us i'm sure you know people will appreciate your bravery in opening up and hopefully it'll encourage other people to do the same so thank you um Okay, so Ria, you're up. Tell us, tell us a bit about your experience with uh, mental health and how you kind of cope with it over the years. Um, so I spoke about it briefly on our first podcast about how having ulcerative colitis, so a form of IBD, um, really kind of sent me into this state of depression, anxiety, PTSD. So I'll just go into that kind of. So this all happened when I was about 15 years old. Um. I just couldn't cope with the fact that I have this physical chronic health condition. So it sent me into this deep depression, anxiety. I couldn't understand my feelings. Um, I was actually an inpatient at a pediatric uh, like mental health facility. Um, and I remember, I remember I stayed there for about two weeks and it was the best two weeks. I'm so glad I did it because I could actually sit there and understand why I'm feeling these emotions. And oh, people would sit there, talk to me. I could really like learn tools and techniques to how like okay if I feel like this again you know this is what I need to do or if I'm having a moment you know that kind of thing which is obviously really healthy and I've um brought to with me to this day um but (laughs) before I was actually the inpatient I obviously was in and out of kind of like I don't know you call them a normal kind of hospital Mm -hmm. um I remember I was on this ward right and um I think my mom had just left the room and I was I was like, I was like screaming, I want to die, I want to self-harm, like I want to cut myself, all of it, like kind of like that kind of thing. I'll never forget, right, this nurse comes up to me and she says, Maria, if you don't stop, I'm going to call the police on you. And I was like, 
I was 15, right? And I was like, what? Because in my head, I was like, oh, so if I tell someone I'm feeling sad or depressed, they're going to call the police. And obviously it's instilled within you, the police mm-hmm. bad thing, you know, you're going to be taken away kind of thing. So then from that moment on, I just like stopped talking about it and I would do it in secret. I wouldn't tell my mom anymore. I wouldn't tell anyone what's going on because I have this fear that I'm going to be taken away. Oh my God, that's awful. Did that make your uh, mental health worse by by keeping that all inside yourself? 110%. And now looking back, it makes me think that even people who work in healthcare don't actually understand mental health or actually how to approach well I was a child a child who's suffering with mental health like to this day it sticks with me like I honestly can hear her voice in my head right now like saying it like and I'm now 23 so it's been like a while but like when you kind of um did you kind of like you know open up again about your mental health and just start talking about it recently no seriously like a year ago I would I refuse to talk about it for that for like that long you kind of yeah it scarred me I didn't want to talk about it because I was like if that nurse who's supposed to be taking care of me thinks basically I should be locked away, why would my friend be okay with it? Why would a family member be okay with it? Again, it's almost helped me. She helped me self-stigmatize, if that makes sense, because I just yeah. thought I was a freak. Mm. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, no one's going to, you know, want to speak to me or be my friend or love me or any of that kind of stuff. So it kind of, like, regressed me, like, that one comment. But, yeah, so again I've just started really opening up I'd say about my mental health and thinking about like kind of restarting therapy CBT sessions because I can feel a decline in it especially with COVID like just being kind of locked away kind of thing. Mm. Um, Ria can you just briefly explain what CBT is and for those of you who might not know what it is? Um, Yeah so CBT basically focuses on changing your automatic negative thoughts that can obviously make your emotional state worse so if you're suffering from depression like having constant negative thoughts would obviously make that worse and trying to change those negative thoughts into almost something positive or something useful that won't be as destructive so yeah it was me learning that hey having this chronic condition is not that bad like you're gonna be okay and like reminding myself of that almost um so yeah so more recently like um I've been looking into kind of different mental health illnesses I possibly could be suffering from because you know things are not adding up and it I I really like um it resonated with me when Hema was talking about how your mental health is fluid because mine definitely is I have ups and downs and I go through phases where I'm more one condition than another and um yeah so um I actually got tested for tested diagnosed whatever you want to call it for um bipolar and personality disorder last week so that's all going through the mix right now because you know and weirdly it made me happy knowing that there was an answer because I'm like okay now I know how I can what therapies or what tools or things I can learn to help myself and I think people need to have that like attitude towards it like you know such a good mindset towards it Ria to actually like go out there and say to yourself right let me get diagnosed let me find out what the problem is like I'll fix it like that's amazing well done oh thank you but yeah no but you have to remember like it took me how many years because of that one comment and I wish I never got that comment because I think if it happened earlier I wouldn't be maybe I don't know what the word is as as bad or as as suffering as much as I am now but um I think yeah I think the sooner you fix the sooner you kind of 
seek help, um, the easier it is because you're not suffering it for such a long period yeah. of time. So, but it's accepting that you um, have a problem. Than that's the that's half the issue, I think. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's a I guess a brief insight into my mental health journey. Ups so and how, downs. how has your how has it been telling your family and extended family about this kind of stuff? Have you discussed it openly with them? Um, me and my mom are very close. She's like my sister, so I'll tell her she's cool. Like when I when I was literally, I, so I did the appointment over Zoom. I texted her straight after, like, "Yo, your daughter might be bipolar." Lol, and it was just <laughs> like it was just like me and my mom would joke about it. That's cool. Um, don't really talk about it with my grandparents. Um, I'm open to it. I don't have an issue with it. It's just not something we really talk about. Yeah. Um, and kind of extended family, like, I don't know, I don't really mention it. I think they subconsciously know that I'm, like, suffering with something, but I've never openly said it. Um, yeah. I think, you know, it's so brave of you to, you know, to think of it in a sense of, you know, I've now been diagnosed. It's like, what can I do? Mm. to kind of help my diagnosis and to kind of you know not overcome it so much but to kind of learn skills and strategies to kind of manage it better mm. great to have your parents on board you know grandparents you know they they might not understand it as much yeah but they'll still you know and I think being supportive so yeah they'll they'll do their own things but I think it's also you're in the driving seat now of you know how much do you want to disclose to other people and it is totally your call if you feel quite comfortable in not saying anything to anyone then that's your wish and you know that's that should be respected but if Mm -hmm. you want to kind of you know explain it to your grandparents and and say this is how it is that's also that's also your call and obviously guidance from your parents because they know them best exactly you know of course exactly that yeah and I think another point is like um we we always think of bipolar people as like really really highs or really sad like constantly mood changing when in reality it's not like I have days where I'm perfectly where everyone to consider fine I'm fine and then I'll switch but I have days where I'm okay and I think it's you have to remember that with mental health like you're not always going to be whatever uh, that like picture of what that condition is if, I don't know if I'm making sense you know what I mean like no, no. yeah you are like, like like I said before it's it's not about feeling 100% all the time yeah it's kind of just managing and coping with day-to-day life and yeah you know re- acknowledging when you're feeling bad like yeah, kind exactly. of acknowledging it and just being like okay today's a bad day yeah and, then mm. just- and, there's, and there's no cookie cutter, you know, there's no kind of template for this is how I should be because every sim- single human on this planet is unique, yeah. you know, based on, you know, their genetics and their environmental um, factors and there's, you know, the, the school that they go to, the, the friendships that they keep. So everyone has a different way of dealing or handling a situation mm. and there is no one size fits all yeah, category where... I think that's why people like struggle to be like I am depressed or I have depression because they don't Mm. they're not like suicidal they're not self-harming so they're like okay it's cool I'm fine when you're not like and that's I think another new another kind of lot of discoveries that are being made at the moment is is the importance of um, language and how important language is so even saying things like you know I am depressed it's rather than saying I am depressed because you're actually putting yourself into a box of depression which is you know not very nice 
you'd want to say I'm showing signs of depression so you're not it's not again it's not black and white it, in mm -hmm. that gray area where you know I'm showing signs of bipolar rather than saying I have bipolar and being so definite about it because mm -hmm. then you, you know you kind of say language also then does the feedback loop and reinforces that so then you end up being more depressed because you're saying that you are depressed mm, yeah, whereas opposed to being in that fluid state where you could move out of it in and out of it if you don't label yourself as being a, a definite you know um, person that has depression yeah it's a great point to make completely agree yeah so Ria and Hema how do you guys think we can try and you know break this this negative stigma that we have regarding mental health um, not just in in our communities but in general um, I think we've kind of hit home with this one throughout the whole podcast, but education, right? Honestly, like constantly talking about it and being open to having those uncomfortable conversations, really. Um, I, yeah, I agree. I think the more we talk about things like this, the more common practice it will become. And, you know, when we go and meet friends or we go and, you know, um, to meet our family, it's things that if we wanted to, we could bring up rather than being afraid to bring up. Yeah. And I think and the more we talk about it, and I think it's our own responsibility to bring it up because I think stigmas don't change unless, you know, and that the person that's going to break the stigma has to start with you. So, you know, we're the ones that need to be responsible. And that's every single one of us. And in the way you do it can be very personal to you, depending on your circumstance. You know, for, for me, with my family, we're talking about mental health, um, you know, a hell of a lot more in the last few years. Um, we're talking about it a little bit more openly. You know, things we might not have said you know, before we're kind of, you know, weaving it in and, you know, like as you do with your mum, Rhea, we also kind of make jokes about certain things. So that's mm -hmm. our kind of like way of way of handling certain things is to, to make a serious situation a little bit light in mm -hmm. some ways. You know, some some families or, you know, some conversations may need to be had as, you know, a quiet, a serious round table chat with the family. <laughs> yeah. Um, whichever way works for you there is yeah. no exactly hard and fast rule about go this up, go up to someone and be like I'm having a bad day you don't need to be like I have or I'm suffering from depression or I have this it can literally be I'm having a bad day I just just want to have a chat mm. simple as it doesn't have to be so intense like all the time yeah yeah I think one of the things all we all need to remember is when we when we do talk to our, our friends and family is when we do ask them how are you is not to just say it in a in a flippant manner is just that's what that's what we say is to basically say how are you really how are you mm. and that's, that's so you true. get a different response when you ask it twice you really do I think it's so easy for someone to when you get asked that you just say oh yeah I'm fine I'm good like nothing's new but standard like, response isn't it you know, like I know it's not normalized but I feel like we should normalize saying like how are you doing mentally like are you like, are you actually okay because only when you're kind of faced with that question are you really forced to actually answer and you know explore how you're feeling and go into depth about it so you know that's really important and yeah, sometimes you need someone to ask you before you feel comfortable to open up sometimes you need yeah. to feel like someone cares if that makes sense it's like it's like you know when someone says something and you know you're about to cry 
yeah. and you just completely like let loose and cry I think it's the same kind of thing you know if someone asks you you know but they really ask you and then you're just like gives you the opportunity to let loose and let everything out completely agree but I think what's really important here as well is if you are suffering with any negative thoughts or you feel your mental health deteriorating is to is to kind of practice something called introspection uh, which is the process of examining your own thoughts and emotions and becoming self-aware um like I said to you Ria it's really good how you identify that you were having symptoms of depression um, and then from then you were able to take the active steps to do something about it if 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 everyone else out there you know takes the time to really identify their thought patterns and if you can you know if you can see some things are changing within your habits and your daily life for example you're eating less you're mm-hmm. not sleeping very well or you're getting more anxious or sad make note of these things and you know and think to yourself okay this is not my normal self what can I do to try and change this um these are some really really good points well I think that is coming to the end of our podcast yes um I want to say a special thank you for Hema for joining us today uh we would love you to leave three thoughts for our listeners today if you could I would say first of all is to to be kind to yourself um we're we're, we're our harshest critic aren't we and we're always giving ourselves a really hard time. And I just think we need to just, you know, wrap ourselves up a little bit. And it's okay to, to feel what you're feeling um, and not to negate that. Secondly, I'd say um, be authentic. Being authentic kind of enables you to be free. And when you're freer, you, you do feel lighter. Um, and the thoughts that you have are also lighter and they're not not so heavy and, and negative and I think um, just being authentic and being true to yourself is it's not easy it really isn't but it's the the only thing that will kind of give you emotional freedom and lastly I'd say is to talk more um, talk more to in with the view to educate other people be it friends and family and to also openly talk about yourself I think, you know, we're only going to get out of this if we start to having start having more open conversations, honest conversations, um, um, to help educate our friends and family and the wider public um, about mental health and how it affects people of colour. Um, thank you, Hema. Um, Selena and I will see you next week uh, for your next dose of Society.